Hello, this is Diksha from newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Sunday, the 14th of February. India recorded more than 12,000 COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, taking the overall COVID tally past the 1.09 crore or 10.9 million mark. 92 deaths linked to the virus were reported in the same period. This is the eighth time in February that less than 100 deaths were recorded in the country in a day. Under the vaccination drive in the country, more than 82 lakh health and frontline workers have been given the COVID vaccine so far. The country started giving the second dose of the vaccine yesterday for the beneficiaries who completed 28 days after receiving the first shot. Now for a brief update on global COVID numbers, more than 108 million people worldwide have been infected by the virus so far, while more than 60.8 million people have recovered from it. Meanwhile, over 2.3 million people have lost their lives to the pandemic since it began. Our story of the week this time is the Uttarakhand flash floods. The disaster took place last Sunday when massive floods left more than 40 people dead and over 190 missing. We shall come back to it later during the episode. The farmer protest along the borders of Delhi entered the 79th day today. Yesterday, Tara Gandhi Bhattacharji, granddaughter of Mahatma Gandhi, lent her support to the farmer protests. She visited Ghazipur on the Delhi-Uttar Pradesh border, where farmers have been protesting against the central government's farm laws. Addressing the protesters, she said, and I quote, We are because of you all. In the benefit of the farmers lies the benefit of the country and all of us. Unquote. Meanwhile, Haryana Chief Minister Manoharlal Khattar announced yesterday that his government will introduce a law for recovery of losses related to damage to public property during the protests. This came after Qatar's meeting with the Union Home Minister Amit Shah. Qatar said, and I quote, We discussed the farmers' protest among other issues. We will be bringing a law for recovery of damages to public property from protesters, unquote. Qatar told NDTV that his government will try to bring the law in the upcoming session of the Legislative Assembly. In another development linked to the farmer protests, the cyber cell of the Delhi police yesterday arrested a 21-year-old climate activist from Bengaluru in connection with the toolkit tweeted by Greta Thunberg. The activist Disha Ravi is one of the founders of the Fridays for Future campaign. The police have alleged that she edited the toolkit and sent it ahead. Fridays for Future is the India chapter of the climate movement led by Thunberg. Disha was reportedly picked up from a house in Bengaluru for allegedly sharing and spreading the document. She is currently working as a culinary experience manager with a company that produces plant-based food. On the 4th of February, Thunberg had tweeted a link to the said toolkit expressing her support for the farmer protests. A toolkit is a booklet or a manual that explains a cause or a protest. Thunberg's tweet had played a part in drawing global attention to the protest. Following her tweet, the Delhi police launched an FIR against the creators of the toolkit without naming anyone. The FIR came after pro-government social media handles expressed outrage, claiming that the toolkit was evidence of a global conspiracy to attack India. The complaint included sections of sedition, promoting hatred amongst various communities on social, cultural, religious grounds, and criminal conspiracy of the IPC. In another development related to the farmer protest, special security cover was provided to Bharatiya Janta Party leaders and candidates in some sensitive areas of Punjab as local body elections began in the state today. The Hindustan Times reported that this was done on a temporary basis as a precaution for the candidates facing public anger due to the farmer crisis. 117 urban local bodies will go to polls in Punjab, including eight municipal corporations. Polling began at 8 a.m. this morning and will conclude at 4 p.m. 
A total of over 9,000 candidates are contesting the elections. Speaking of the farmer protests, the over two-month-long protests at Delhi that lasted through a whole season of the northern winter are about to enter summer. Summer is also the harvest season for rabi crops like wheat and rice. In her latest ground report from the Singo border, News Laundry's Akansha Kumar speaks to farmers who tell her how they are here for the long haul and have even made arrangements back home for the fresh harvest season. From going home in batches to committees that will take care of the harvest for those who are away, they have charted plans to ensure that the protest does not get affected. You can read the full report on newslaundry.com titled We Won't Go Back. Farmers at Singhu are making arrangements at home for the harvest season. The Jammu and Kashmir Reorganization Amendment Bill was passed by a voice note in the Lok Sabha yesterday. During the discussion on the bill, Union Home Minister Amit Shah said that the Union territory of Jammu and Kashmir will get the status of a state at a quote-unquote appropriate time. Yesterday's ordinance enables the merger of the Jammu and Kashmir cadre of All India Service Officers with the AGMAT cadre. AGMAT stands for Arunachal Pradesh, Goa, Mizoram and Union Territories. Scroll.in reported in January this year, quoting former bureaucrats, that this merger would erode the presence of Kashmiris in key bureaucratic positions within the valley. The opposition objected to the ordinance in the Lok Sabha. It said that the government could not bring the bill as petitions challenging the scrapping of Article 370 were still pending in the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, former Jammu and Kashmir Chief Minister and National Conference Vice President Omar Abdullah claimed today that he and his family have been put under house arrest. Abdullah took to Twitter this morning and posted photos of vehicles belonging to security forces guarding his residence. He wrote that his father Farooq Abdullah, sister and her children were also confined to their homes. In another tweet, Abdullah said that the staff at his residence was also not allowed to enter. Yesterday, People's Democratic Party chief Mehbooba Mufti had also tweeted that she had been quote-unquote placed under house arrest as usual. She wrote that this was done as she was trying to visit the family of a teenaged boy who was killed in an alleged fake encounter in December. The raids by the Enforcement Directorate on the digital news platform NewsClick continued for the fifth day yesterday. The Indian Express reported today that ED officials were camped at the residence of the news website's editor Prabir Purkayasta. Officers were also seen outside the residence of Geeta Harharan, who is a stakeholder of the company that runs the website. Officials told the newspaper that the raid continued because of technical issues related to procuring a data dump of electronic devices belonging to Purkayasta and Harharan. The raids on NewsClick's offices, its editors and directors began on the 9th of February. Multiple teams of the ED searched 10 premises across Delhi and Ghaziabad in UP. According to ED officials, the raids were conducted in connection with an alleged money laundering case pertaining to foreign funding. The news platform released an official statement on Friday stating that Purkayasta and Harharan had been detained in their house since the beginning of the raid. The statement also said that the communication devices of directors and senior management of the company had also been seized. The statement expressed displeasure about the selective leaks made to the media about the ongoing raids allegedly by officials of the ED. In an earlier statement on Wednesday, the platform had said that the government was deploying its agencies to deal with all those who disagree with and criticise the government. It had added that legal instruments were being used by the government for politically motivated coercive actions. For the last three months, NewsClick has regularly covered the farmer protests on its YouTube channel, which has over 2.94 million subscribers. The channel hosts journalists like Abhishar Sharma, Urmilesh Singh and Paranjay Guha Thakurta. 
the Punjab and Haryana High Court on Friday took Suomoto cognizance of complaints regarding the alleged illegal confinement of trade union activist Nordeep Kaur. The court issued a notice of motion to the Haryana government. A bench of Justice Arun Tyagi said it was taking up anonymous complaints that it received on the matter on February 6th and 8th. It asked the Haryana police to explain the complaint filed against Kaur. Kaur was arrested on January 12th and sent to judicial custody. She was booked under the provisions related to extortion, rioting, being armed with a deadly weapon, and unlawful assembly. The charges were issued against her for taking part in a protest. She, along with other members of her organization, Mazdoor Adhikar Sangathan, had gheraud an industrial unit in Haryana's Kundli town. Kaur's family has alleged that she was sexually harassed in prison. The police, however, have denied the allegations. On Thursday, Kaur got bail in one of the three cases filed against her. But she is still lodged in Haryana's Karnar jail because of the other charges. Coming back to our story of the week, three more bodies were recovered from the disaster-hit area of Uttarakhand's Chamoli district today. With this, the death toll in the calamity rose to 41. More than 190 people are still missing. Multi-agency rescue teams have been trying for over a week to bring more than 30 people trapped in a sludge-choked tunnel in Tapovan to safety. The bodies recovered this morning were the first to have been recovered from the tunnel at the site of the flood-hit Tapo One Heidel project. The remaining 38 were recovered over the past week from the downstream areas of the Dholi Ganga River. The disaster hit on Sunday when a glacier broke and triggered an avalanche and massive flooding. The flooding took place along Dholi Ganga and Alaknanda rivers. Two power projects, namely the Tapo One Heidel project and the Rishi Ganga Heidel project, were extensively damaged. The Tapovan project was completely swept away along with five bridges. More than 13 villages were cut off from contact owing to the washing away of the suspension bridges. The Uttarakhand Chief Minister Trivendra Singh Rawat had announced financial aid of 2 lakh each to the families of those killed in the disaster. Rawat had also said on Monday that the Defence Research and Development Organisation or DRDO team was already studying the cause of the tragedy. He added that help was also sought from the Indian Space Research Organization or ISRO scientists and experts to determine the cause of the calamity. The arduous rescue operations began on Sunday when teams of the police, the army and Indo-Tibetan border police were deployed at the site. Teams from the National and State Disaster Response Forces had also been called upon. A major part of the rescue operations is still on in a 2.5-kilometre-long swamp tunnel where the authorities say that more than 30 people are feared to be trapped. Rescuers for days drilled into the sludge and hardened debris to clear the mouth of the tunnel. Teams said that the trapped workers were located somewhere at 180 metres where the tunnel takes a turn. On Friday, as per an aerial survey by the Vardia Institute of Himalayan Geology, a temporary lake had formed at the height of 36,000 metres, about 6 kilometres upstream of the Reni village. Reni was first of the 13 cut-off villages that the rescuers managed to establish contact with earlier this week. The temporary lake was formed as the debris brought by the avalanche blocked a stream that joins the Rishi Ganga River. The formation of the lake upstream had the villagers of Reni fearing another flash flood. The State Disaster Response Forces said today that they had developed a manual early warning system by deploying teams of personnel in Pang, Tapovan and Reni villages. Meanwhile, Chief Minister Rawat yesterday approved Rs 2.38 crore for the relocation of five villages out of the 385 in the disaster-prone belts of 12 districts of the state. The Times of India reported that as per a study carried out by the state, the entire process of relocation may cost Rs 10,000 crore. 
Orders were also issued on Thursday to relocate five villages in the districts of Tehri, Chamoli, Uttarkashi and Bageshwar. As research and rescue operations are underway, the cause of the calamity is yet to be ascertained. Researchers have said that it's too early to point out the cause of the disaster. But environmental experts and the latest assessment reports of the UN Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change pointed out that climate change could be one of the causes. Meanwhile, an Indian Express report showed today that at least two of the power projects hit by the glacial disaster were in a list of the 13 projects that were flagged at a meeting in Prime Minister Narendra Modi's office two years ago. The newspaper reported that records from the meeting showed that a permanent ban was put on any new hydroelectric power projects on the Ganga or its tributaries. The order also froze projects that were under construction and had not reached the halfway mark. The panel of the meeting had also come up with strong recommendations against sand mining and boulder crushing. According to the news report, the Uttarakhand government, led by Chief Minister Rawat, had filed an affidavit in the Supreme Court this year, seeking restarting of the hydropower development. The disaster has left hundreds of villagers living in the area, fearing for their lives. But this fear was not birthed after the disaster. It has been plaguing the villagers for years. In his latest ground report on newslaundry.com, Hridesh Giri details how several villagers in the area complained and warned about the construction of the power projects, fearing a potential disaster. Both the projects hit by the floods are located in the ecologically sensitive Nanda Devi Biosphere Reserve, which is a buffer zone. The 520-megawatt Tapovan project has been under construction for the last 15 years. The affected villagers told News Laundry that they had opposed both the projects. And some of those who spoke out against the projects are now buried under the rubble. Prem Singh, who worked at the Rishi Ganga Power Project for a few years, said that extensive damage was done to the mountains for the projects. And locals guessed that the destruction would soon follow. You can find the detailed ground report on newslaundry.com. It is titled, Living Here Isn't Safe. Villagers hit by the Uttarakhand disaster want to be relocated. While you're on our website, you will also find multiple ground reports in Hindi and English from the disaster-hit areas of Uttarakhand. In this week's episode of News Laundry Hafta as well, the discussion focuses on the Uttarakhand flash floods. The News Laundry panel is joined by Hridesh Giri, who pieces together what happened on the ground. But listeners, it takes time, effort and resources to bring you such reports, podcasts, videos, interviews and much more. We are a 100% ad-free platform and we don't take funding from the government or corporates. We run solely on the support of our subscribers. So if you like what we do, please support us by hitting that subscribe button on the top right corner of newslaundry.com today. Subscriptions start at just 300 rupees per month. Now for some international updates. An earthquake of magnitude 7.3 hit Japan last night with its epicenter off the coast of Fukushima. Reuters reported that the strong tremors cracked walls, shattered windows and set off a landslide in Fukushima. More than 100 people were injured and trains were halted over a wide stretch of northeastern Japan. Houses and offices in the capital Tokyo, which is hundreds of kilometres away, also felt the tremors. The meteorological agency said meanwhile that no tsunami warning had been issued. Hundreds of buildings lost electricity just after the quake, but power was largely restored by this morning. The former US President Donald Trump was acquitted in his historic second impeachment trial yesterday. He was cleared of charges of inciting an insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th when his supporters stormed the building. In the five-day trial, a majority of the Senate Republicans closed ranks and refused to punish the former president. 
Democratic prosecutors, meanwhile, had argued that Trump betrayed his oath by inciting his supporters into storming the Capitol building. Democrats argued that Trump's behavior was an open and shut case of impeachable conduct. They retraced how he spent two months repeating the false narrative that the presidential election was stolen from him. With a 57-43 to 43 majority, most Republicans declared Trump not guilty. However, seven Republicans joined the Democrats to seek Trump's conviction. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.